Well, it's uh, Monday, September 20th, 2021, and uh, it was Blue Frog for dinner today uh, for the girlfriend's birthday, so we went there. We had some uh, burgers. They have buy one, get one free on Mondays after 4 p.m., and of course, we had some blue cocktails. I'm not going to lie, that word gets me all the time. And this is not just my child brain laughing at this, but like cocktails. Where'd the name come from? Where'd the word come from? No idea. Anyway, burgers are great there. The only problem with Blue Frog, which is a Shanghai restaurant chain, uh, is that they have a terrible beer selection. So I guess they signed a contract with Anheuser-Busch or whatever, so they have Budweiser, Stellar Trois, Goose Island, and the other one that they all have. Uh, Whole Garden. There we go. So those are the four beers that they have on tap, which are terrible. Like The Budweiser is terrible. Uh, Goose Island is passable, but eh. Uh, Stellar Trois is all right if you want to feel European, but it's not really. And then Whole Garden, uh, yeah, I guess it's all right. Uh, but yeah, it's just not the same. If you went one restaurant over to Qmex instead... They have the local beers of the Slobo. Uh, They don't have Jingy. But, I mean, it it does confuse me that uh, a restaurant chain wouldn't partner with the local craft beer places. But that being the case, they do what they do. But they they do make good burgers. And today I had the the double burger, which usually when I eat it, I'm, I'm stuffed afterwards. But since I had a workout today, I was able to eat the whole thing. And, yeah, even the fries and everything. So it was... uh, was, uh, Pretty good. Interesting observation, though, um, over the weekend that following on Friday's sort of comment, like, why do I study so much? I'm looking at my bookcase, and I was thinking about all the books that you see in Chinese bookstores, and none of them are about the future. I mean, unless they're science fiction, but then it's like a fantasy type of interpretation of uh, the, the future, whereas, like, you don't read books in Chinese that are published about the future, like the year 2050, the year 2100. And I do suspect that a lot of this is sort of like uh, a result that if China, if a Chinese person, a Chinese author ever published a book about the year 2050 or year 2100 that was not sort of uh, more Western-centric, you know, with the power base being in the United States, like in some university in the United States or some university in Europe, I would imagine that the media would jump all over it. That's my suspicion. That is my suspicion about... I'm, it's not why they haven't published them. It's also when when thinking about that, most of the authors that are these future thinkers, like the futurists, I guess you'd call them, uh, is, is what they are called... Uh, they all live in the Western part of the, the, the developed world. So they have access to different research libraries, research uh, tools, um, an assortment of other people, communications. Uh, whereas here in China, it's not so much. But even still, and this follows on last week's um, observation of the robotics industry here, the AI push. I've heard that the AI push goes in like 30-year cycles. That, you know, the last time AI was a huge topic was back in like, I guess it was mid to late 80s. That was when like, because that was when like computers started became a little bit more mainstream rather than 
just the purview of a few large universities with large endowments. But th that was sort of the last big push to AI. And even now looking at AI, whether or not it's able to do what we want it to do, I think it's still far away. And I, I speak as like an English teacher, wherein the one great thing I would love to have is a chat bot that would, I guess, get through all of the standard questions that you would ask someone, but in a conversational manner, like, hey, where are you from? What do you do? Uh, do you have any brothers or sisters, etc.? Like, think like just easy softball questions that you could ask anybody uh, that do that does set the stage. And the idea would be to have that as a tool that would then lead into a larger conversation about, oh, I see that you have three brothers and or two sisters, or you have one brother, or you have no siblings. Like, how? What are you doing now? How are your parents? Things that so you could develop the conversation from there. That is the one thing I would love to see happen with the AI, with the programming. And it's one of the things that I, I've been trying to work on with my own Python program. The idea of me picking up Python programming is to, to, to do this. So that's the idea. But there's no futurists, as far as I can tell, uh, in China. I haven't seen any. Um, I, I can't lie that my Chinese isn't that good. That Would I be able to spot them? But I do see a lot of books that have been translated from a foreign language into Chinese. So, I don't know, we're the futurists. Now, this, all, the, one of the reasons why this sort of popped into mind was because uh, last week I had the chance to visit one of the, uh, uh, the education rooms, the party education rooms, put it another way, brainwashing rooms is what uh, it was sort of described to me. And it, so it was, cloaked in red. I shouldn't say it's cloaked in red. There's no curtains or anything, but there's posters uh, with writing on it. Uh, and it was basically, and it had all the uh, like Xi Jinping's books that were all there, and a lot of the party, the Communist Party books. It had all of the Renmin Rabao, and I was looking for June, for July 1st. I wanted that edition. Uh, but I didn't see anything from this year. I guess since the pandemic hit, they stopped getting the newspaper delivered, so there was no, uh, there was I couldn't see anything from this year. It was all from 2020, uh, so too bad on that one. Then they had the uh, Chou Jing, which is uh, the uh, the CCP part, like the party magazine, I guess it is. But they had all the literature, or at least some of it. Uh, one bookshelf dedicated to uh, party literature. Uh, much of it was like you know about Mao or about Xi Jinping or about the other Communist Party leaders. And then on, on the wall itself, it had four panels, five panels total, but four of them outlay, outline sort of the, the, the rights, responsibilities, and duties or obligations of good party members. So I was asking a few people around me, like, what would it take to get into, like, the, the Communist Party of China? Like, what, what would someone have to do? I mean, I, I don't think a foreigner can go in. Let's put it that way. And I, my main interest was whether or not if because we deal with a lot of clients who want to go overseas if someone goes overseas does that disable them from entering the, the communist party of china it turns out the answer is no you can you can be anybody anywhere uh, of course say in theory whatever but i mean it's the same in all political parties but you can go study overseas get your bachelor's your master's or whatever phd and come back and part of the vetting process 
for the party membership is that you have to take a few uh, courses and then tests. The last I heard from someone who was actually in the party was that they actually had an, uh, an app, like an APP, that they had to sign into every day and review a certain amount of literature. And it would check mark it, right? So like, kind of like on Udemy, where like once you reach a certain point of the video, it puts a check mark in the little box or a little circle. So it, it considers it's completed. Same thing with this, this app. And this was every day. I mean, talk about patriotism. I mean, wouldn't, is that a bad idea to have an app dedicated to like the working ideology of your country, of your government, and then to have a room in each building, every state-sponsored, how was it put? It was, because it was a room in a building, but the building was public. Uh, it was like a privately built, I guess, or how would you say? It wasn't, not everyone could go in, so it wasn't like a public park or anything, but it was uh, a building uh, that was commercial property, but then a state company had an office in there, and so as a result, they had to have uh, one of these state-funded boardrooms, basically, state boardrooms, um, state education, state meeting rooms. So basically, it was a meeting room, a glorified meeting room um, with, like, the, the nice chairs that were actually comfortable to sit in, one, one TV on the, the far side. Um, so things like that. And it, it's sort of, you look at it and go, it, that's not such a bad idea. Like, why don't more do, like, if you had that in Canada, if you had a party members meeting room in any building i can only imagine the shit show in litigation in canada forget the united states the united states did litigate you even by thinking about that sort of stuff but canada they would litigate you so badly into like you can't do that you can't you can't tell me what to think even though we voted you in sort of thing so it really does. When I see something like that, I look, wow. I mean, this uh, this is a difference between like, China and the rest of the world. Um, I've never seen it in, in Canada. I haven't. I know in the United States they have, you know, people or buildings will have certain affinities towards political parties. But you don't have the same sort of patriotism towards uh, one party in Canada, that's part and parcel because in Canada we have so many political parties that it's it's almost difficult to just pick one. Every election, Canada is going through an election right now. Uh, I'll tell you, every Canadian election is basically an agreement between two or three parties about how not to let the other guy win. That's what it comes down to. Uh, at least that's what it seems like. It's, and it's usually a battle, a big battle between the uh, the Conservatives and the Liberals. But then there's always like there whether it's majority or minority government, it always comes down to like a secondary or even a tertiary political group that has to sign like make some sort of agreement that would give that block of two or three parties more votes, more seats in parliament than the other guys. It, it's almost it almost becomes kind of a joke. It's kind of funny. Uh, I'm glad I never went into politics except as an armchair uh, politician, right? Um, this weekend uh, was the air defense siren system. Uh, sorry, just to finish up on the uh, the political room. Basically, if it's, you know, lots of newspapers, a lot of books, uh, it's where they would hold a meeting if, you know, the, the company needed to review some issue uh, that had come up for state-sponsored companies. 
Anyway, uh, Saturday was the air defense system. I guess it was the air defense awareness system. But it was only outside the fifth ring road, so we couldn't really hear it here. I was outside. I had three recorders going, but I couldn't hear anything. You could hear it very faintly, but you couldn't hear very much. So uh, there was um, yeah, kind of a disappointment on that. On the other hand, I did find a good podcast to listen to finally um, using Ting Ting FM. So this is my go-to Chinese FM radio podcast player. And anyone who's in mainland China can download this Ching Ting, uh, so it's Q-I-N-G-T-I-N-G-F-M, and it has lots of different streaming services available, uh, and I use it, this is my extensive listening APP, and I can't remember the name of the podcast, uh, actually, to tell you the truth, I don't really know the name, uh, but it has a, a guy, an older guy in his 40s probably, um, and he talks in a very slow, not not horribly slow, but slow enough that you can follow along. And he talks like you know, sort of conversational, so it's uh, colloquial words, but not overly overly colloquial that you can't understand. So it's good. Uh, so I'm able to follow along, and I understand he he from what I do understand is that he talks a lot about um, like current events, but like technology, like the big headlines, uh, a lot of culture events as well. Uh, so it's it's nice to be able to sort of get away from like the business radio that I was listening to CNR is the other radio station I was listening to in uh, China, China National Radio, Chinese National Radio. But CNR, that is that contains a lot of the business and the economics news reports. And it's just standard Mandarin Chinese. A lot of advertisements I've found. Not like this guy, not so many advertisements, which is nice. On the other hand, uh, while I was listening to my... Uh, Qingting FM, my Chinese podcast. Very sadly, I've discovered that Tim's Cafe, or Tim Horton's China, has changed the cream cheese consistency. No, not just the consistency. They've changed, they've changed the cream cheese that they offer now with their bagel and cream cheese. This was a horrible disappointment. And this follows, this follows the removal of the chocolate cake Timbits that they had, so it's like the cake donuts, and like we you, we have them in Canada, okay, so you, you go to Tim uh, you go to Tim Hortons, you get your Timbits, and you get the chocolate one, that consistency, that's the one I'm talking about when I say chocolate cake Timbit, they used to have them here, about two months ago, they got rid of them, don't know, they, they were on sale for a long time, and then gone, now, and they used to sell real cream cheese with the bagel, now it's this, this, it's almost like watery butter type stuff. I almost think of when you get McDonald's pancakes and you get that butter that they put on top. It's like it's kind almost t- it kind of tastes like butter, but then it's just like you you touch you it's too fluffy and you're going it's not I can't be butter. <laughs> it's it's fluffed butter. That's what that is and that's and if it's fluffed butter that means it's not genuine. That's what Tim's has done here in China. And I'm horribly disappointed. This is strike two. Now, will I stop going there? Not just yet. They still have cheaper coffee than Starbucks. It's 18 kwai for, or 21 kwai for a chow da base. So it's extra large uh, drip coffee, which is, they call it sian sui cafe, uh, which is like fresh coffee. Uh, but, so I'll, I'll, I will still go there for that. But 
yeah, horribly disappointed with the cream cheese. I might just stop eating the cream cheese and just have the bagels because at least the bagels are still decent enough. Anyway, so that was my uh, my my weekend with <laughs> with uh, living here in Beijing and uh, very quiet. I was actually surprised that today on Monday. I know I'm going a little bit longer today, but uh, today Monday. We're in the middle of the Mid-Autumn Festival, but all the kids, apparently, like the the international school down the street, they're in session. They were Parents were dropping their kids off uh, as I was walking home from the cafe this morning um, at 8 o'clock. They were dropping kids off, and apparently that school was in full swing. Tomorrow, I assume, it's going to be closed because tomorrow is the actual... Um, uh, the middle, mid-autumn festival. Um, and we never did get any any more chocolate mooncakes. It's no problem. We'll get some tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so they were in school. But none of, like the banks were closed. A lot of things were closed other than like your regular sort of restaurants that are always open. Starbucks was always open. Tim Hortons is always open. It's the one thing about living in Beijing. It's like there's always something open even if... It's a national holiday, like for National Day break coming up November, uh, sorry, October 1st to 8th or 7th in Beijing. We're going to have planes fly across probably, but other than that, it's going to be, other than the banks being closed for three or four days straight and the stock market being closed, life carries on. You can still order burgers, you can still order, go out for coffee and everything. So that's the one benefit about being in a big city like this is that things Never really do close. So anyway, uh, that's what's been going on for the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, with the blue frog, it was nice because we had the uh, the blue cocktails. We had uh, uh, some. It had tequila in it. Uh, it was like a margarita, but it was like a blue margarita, I guess. It, it was pretty good. Um, with those, I guess what you had to do, you had to buy a burger and then buy the drink, and then you would get one burger free. So and then also with the uh, the drink. Uh, up until 8 p.m., you'd get one free refill. Now, one free refill refill just means that they've sort of factored into the cost, of course. So, uh, a couple hundred quai total for for dinner. Two burgers and two drinks with two refills. So, you do the math. Is that a deal? <laughs> I don't know. They have good burgers. I'm not going to complain too loudly. Um, and they did give us some free sweet potato fries because we uh, actually... After, I didn't realize that they didn't come with the meal. You had to ask for them. So we did ask for them, and they are like, don't worry about it. We'll just give you some. So a little, little bucket of sweet potato fries. It was great of them. Anyway, I hope you guys are well. Had a good weekend. Uh, and, yeah, we're uh, starting a new week here. I know you guys are work as usual in, in Canada, United States, UK, and around the world. Um, but here in China, we tomorrow will be a day, to, a day off. Uh our office is closed. Most, I think, I think most schools will actually be closed. Other than that, the rest of the week it's game on, starting on Wednesday. But this is my annual vacation, so I am going to crack down on my Python studies. I was going through it today a little bit, and I'm going to uh, focus a little bit more on that. Hope you guys are well. Have a good one. We'll talk again. Bye bye. I'm going to record this before I fall asleep. It's a full moon outside, and it's September 21st, 2021. It's officially middle of autumn, according to the lunar calendar. So there's a big full moon out there. It's the harvest moon. 
And I managed to get a picture of it, along with like everybody else who was standing outside when the, the moon first peeked out over the uh, horizon. That was uh, around 8 o'clock or so just after. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of amazing to see how the uh, cameras are able to uh, capture pictures these days. I mean, there, there's a function on my phone here that says super moon, so it gets up really close. Uh, and if you can take a look at the picture that I posted there, it's uh, it's pretty clear. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like in another 10 years' time with those phones, or even you know, a few years' time. It doesn't happen. Like It's incremental every year, but, I mean, have you... When was the last time you were able to... Before, you needed a telescope to actually get a good shot of the moon. Now, it's like, with your phone handheld, you don't even have to have it on a tripod anymore, and it still manages to get it pretty crisp, pretty clear. So it's uh, it's uh, pretty neat to see how the technology has uh, uh, developed over that time. But yeah, it's a, I like the shots. I like taking pictures of the moon anyway. So uh, yesterday had some issues uploading. Apparently Anchor has a, uh, a limit of 250 megs. And the file, since it was so long, it was tw about 20 minutes yesterday or 18 minutes, um, the WAV file was longer than or bigger than usual. And so I had to crunch it down to an mp3 and then upload it and I didn't get that done until this morning so uh, my apologies for that uh, hopefully today won't be as long or at least won't be as a big of a file uh, I typically like to upload the wave files to anchor uh, which then gets distributed through Spotify and Google Podcasts and all that and I am working on getting it to Apple Podcasts but it requires a little bit more of a setup uh, than uh, just going through the anchor app anchor app Anyway, I typically upload the WAV files to keep the quality as, as high as possible until I, um, basically until I upload it. But I guess Anchor compresses it to 96 kpbs, I'm not sure. No, typically a MP3 is about 128, uh, although the higher quality ones are 192, and I think you might be able to get 326 uh, for MP3s. If those numbers mean nothing to you, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal. Uh, but on a CD or uh, in the studio, so if you ever go record anything, they're recording WAV files, so W-A-V, those are uncompressed audio files, and that's what I work with uh, most times when I'm uh, doing any sort of audio uh, mixing or mastering or editing and all that stuff. It was a good day today overall. Uh, rain stopped uh, yesterday evening sometime, and then today it was blue skies, so it was quite nice. Uh, weather was quite enjoyable as well. There's a few mosquitoes still out there as well, but uh, they're not too bad. I guess they won't spray again. I don't think they will. I mean, you have another month, but these mosquitoes, they hang on. I mean, they'll, you'll see mosquitoes in the middle of November, middle of December. It's uh, it's crazy how long they're, they're able to survive. But uh, um, I was going to go... This weekend, there was the Burger Fest, which uh, last year I wrote about on my website... I was going to go, but it was way out in uh, near Langyuan Station, which is northeast Beijing area. Uh, it's it's just too far. Like It would be like an hour and 15 minutes just to get there and then to come back. And so it would have it'd be a whole day thing. Last year in Wangjing, uh, Wangjing is sort of like northeast area as well of Beijing, but it's not as far. I just couldn't justify the time investments. So I know some people actually went out to Chaoyang Park, uh, but I, I figured if it was going to be blue skies, it was going to be busy anyway. 
Anyway, just an enjoyable day, actually. I stayed at home, and I, of all things, I, I tried to get through some of the things I've uh, set forth for myself over the next month, since uh, this is officially the start of my annual vacation, I guess. Um, I, today, I did get through two or three days' worth of the Python uh, course that I was taking. Uh, I, I now see why I couldn't have done this any sooner, because up until just like recently, basically, uh, the, the the familiar I don't have as much familiarity with Python. So, and in order to be able to blitz through the classes or the course of the units as I'm trying to do now, you need to have a little bit more of the familiarity with the language, with computer languages, so that you're not spending a lot of time dwelling on the concepts. And I wasn't dwelling on the concepts. What's um, hung me up before it's the how do I do this in Python like how do I write a for loop how, how do you write this how do you do that how what's the actual syntax for doing it not that I know it much better now but I do know it better than I did when I first started uh, I'm a bit more comfortable with it but I also don't want to be dwelling on a lot of the little things like the elif statements and things like that so I do want to see how the programs are structured i want to see the reasoning behind it but not even so much the reasoning i want to see how they are actually written so it's kind of like reading a novel almost or reading a, a book rather than focusing on like the grand concept schematics i'm looking like how do you actually write these things and this kind of i always i've been making this comparison with human languages because you know studying chinese which is to me, I've called it the, the language of emojis, kind of like Japanese, and even like Sanskrit, or hieroglyphic, hieroglyphics. You know, it's ancient emojis. You're, you're, you're putting a sound to a picture. It's the same thing that if you took all the emojis on your keyboard and assigned them a sound. It's the same idea, uh, or similar idea, I should say. So with this, it's but unlike a human language you aren't able to reuse that same piece of spoken language. Whereas with a code, like a piece of code, I can put that up on GitHub, I can put that on Twitter or wherever, have people troll me, trash me, treat me and correct me, and then use that code, the corrected code, and then implement it however many times. You can't do that with a human language. Once you say the words, they're gone. Once you write the, the words, you can't take those words back, right? Even if you've written them, even if they, they stand to be corrected, you can't take the, the first instance back. So, whereas with code, you can change it, and as long as it runs and compiles properly, I mean, no one's ever going to know how many times, how many iterations, how many times you had to go through it to actually get it right. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, sort of what I was thinking about today. And, yeah, what was it? Uh, I got through, was it randomization, the lists, appending lists, creating, I created a password generator, which <laughs> probably should have done a couple months ago, um, for loops, which I've been familiar with from other languages, uh, and the infamous fizzbuzz loop, fizzbuzz loop, which is apparently uh, like a, a question that uh, interviews, like if you ever get interviewed as a programmer, uh, you get asked how do you do this type of programming, what it is, is that any number that's divisible by three get is replaced with the word fizz, and any number that's divisible by five gets replaced by buzz, and that goes from one to one hundred. So that's what you have to create this for loop or this uh, um, this loop that does it. 
I don't intend on having any programming interview, so this was just kind of neat to do. But uh, at the same time, I, you know, it's not like I'm going to, if anything, I just commit it to memory to tell you the truth. Um, how would I do this in C++ or C Sharp or anything else? I don't know. I wasn't really going to worry about it too much, but that was sort of uh, interesting to go through. So tomorrow, if I can, I'll probably do the same thing, uh, two or three days worth of um, classes. I don't have anything else scheduled other than I, tomorrow, like Wednesdays, typically I do a workout. My Chinese class has been pushed to Thursday, so i got to prepare for that as well. Um, but yeah, if I can get, I was looking at the schedule for this 100 Days of Code, and it's basically, it's, I think it's the first 50 days that are like hardcore, lots of theory, lots of learning of different concepts and things like that. Um, and then after the 50th day, it's a lot more project oriented stuff with, you know, very few lectures and uh, few and far between. So that'll be the idea is to get through all of those 50 lectures within a relatively short period of time. And I, th I think I can do it. Um, although getting back to why I couldn't do this before, it's a, you do get tired of it and you really do have to commit be like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, I, I don't care to do anything else. I just want to get through this right now. I don't care how good it is. I just want to get it done. And that's basically where I'm, uh, I'm heading for it, uh, heading with it right now. Uh, I am continuing on with the uh, the Chinese, 20 to 30 minutes in the morning. I do some listening as well. Uh, the podcast, oh, I had it written down. I mentioned it yesterday. Uh, what's it called? Oh, I have the name somewhere. Uh, one second. Oh, I just had it pulled up. And it's good because this guy is one of these guys who speaks rather slowly, so you can actually understand with it. Okay, The name in English, it's uh, Do You Has Something to Say. So it's Do You Yo Shuo Hua. Uh, Do You Yo Hua Shuo Hua. That's the uh, Chinese name of it, and you can find it. Uh, I use Qingting FM as my app, as my app to uh, uh, listen to these things. Uh, so, yeah, I do that for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Um, I'm almost done that comic book, finally, uh, which will be another little slight victory. And then I think, I wonder, what will I, be, what will I move on to after that? Good question, whether I should try to tackle a novel or one of the other, uh, like one of the magazines that I have. It's getting a little bit easier, especially going through, like, you know, uh, just cranking through the HSK5 word list every morning, 20 minutes, doing that on my walk. Um, this is what I did to get to HSK3 and even HSK4. Like, I just sat down, well, not sat down, but when I was walking every morning, it was commitment. Yeah, it was HSK4, especially because that was last year during the pandemic. Uh, that it was every morning, 20 minutes on Anki Dry, 30 minutes on Anki Dry, just going through uh, the word lists and doing as much vocabulary repetition as possible. If I could only do this with the grammar structures, then I suspect that my, my written and my spoken Chinese would be far better than it is right now. Because right now I'm just, I'm just doing vocab so I can say a lot of things, but it's not correct the way that I'm saying it, which can be disconcerting and disjointing uh, to listen to it's, it's kind of like you know if someone just spoke in nouns and verbs without sort of connecting them properly and left you know kept on leaving out like ah and the in a, in a sentence it'd be sort of the same as like i understand what you're saying but it really sounds like you're just cutting out half the words that you're supposed to be saying 
Uh, but so yeah, that's uh, kind of what I'm going through right now. I'm on it's chapter nine in Memorize, and there's 36 total for HSK five, 18 in part one, and then 18 in part two. Given that, I mean, 36 chapters, I've got what 28 more to go over a month. I'm sort of looking at that going. Eesh. I'm not sure if that's if it's going to happen, at least I'll be able to put in, uh, put in a, you know, or take out a huge chunk of that. And hopefully, even over the next couple of weeks, as I get through these, uh, like the first, like the first 18, which is the book one. Uh, so as I move through those first few units, the reading will get easier. So I'll be able to read other stuff and I won't struggle as much. Now, also, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to queue up another movie this week. And uh, probably watch it on Thursday. Haven't decided which one yet. Um, so, I mean, I'm not. I'm doing vocabulary first, and then moving on to other stuff that would be a bit more naturalized Chinese, naturalized language, basically, rather than just focusing only on the grammar uh, portion of it. Other than that, yes, it is Moon Festival Day or Mid Autumn Festival. So, I hope you guys are able to. Uh, take some time off i know in the western world it's not really commemorated too much uh here in china it was officially a day off so the kids were not in school businesses and everything was closed the stock market was closed in hong kong as well and that's sort of the the barometer of your international and chinese trade uh, uh stock trading um yeah and i never did get the any more of the um chocolate mooncakes but we did have the date chocolate uh no sorry the date mooncakes so like uh, the date filled ones and there's another one we ate the the egg filled ones the yeah i don't know why they put eggs it must be for like it's tradition and there is a traditional type uh, a five it's a nut mixture it's five different types of nuts in the mooncake and i can't remember what it's called uh, but it's a variety of nuts that they put into the, the mooncake, and that one's also, it's sweet. It's not as uh, savory as some of the other ones, and not as um, surprising to eat, which is kind of nice. Anyway, I uh, hope you guys, if you can, get a chance to try some of the mooncakes uh, around your area. If uh, there's a Chinatown or a shop that's commemorating it at all. Uh, but yeah, give, give it a shot. Uh, red bean would be the, you know, one that's the more popular ones. Uh egg although I, I doubt you'll find those in Canada um, and then the date filled with the fig yeah like dates uh, and, and then nuts would be the other one that's sort of very popular and, and green green I guess is it green tea something like that all right have a good one guys thanks for listening and I hope uh, Tuesday's treating you well you guys have a good week we'll talk again bye bye Tuna and pasta for dinner. Perfect post-workout protein or dinner, right? Uh, then I also have like uh, sometimes peanut butter, banana, and dark chocolate with some MCT coconut oil. That seems to uh, boost the system after a workout. 
It's Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. I'm Steve Sersky. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, I'm getting my voice ready again for another uh, podcast. This weekend, got uh, another couple guests lined up. One, they're a duo, so uh, they're both going to be on the uh, the show this weekend. We're going to try to get it done on Saturday, which means it should be up by next week. And thinking about this podcast, I'll tell you, I know it's not on Spotify officially. I do host it on my website. Uh, the issue with hosting the, the podcast on other places is that given the rather extended nature of the conversation, it leads to very large file sizes. And that's even in MP3, like compressed MP3 format. Which And, and in terms of timing, most of the sort of the, the cheaper plans, like I, basically in order to get hosting, I'd have to pay the mid-tier pricing to host it on any external uh, site. So I just post it to my site and just lead people there. And I understand there is a risk there because if my site goes down, then it's it, then it becomes inaccessible. So I do have to address this. Uh, I have thought about torrenting it, like basically putting it up on Google Drive or Dropbox and then uh, opening it up to uh, people being able to torrent the files. Uh, and also just leaving them on something like Google Drive or Dropbox uh, so they have a sort of a third place that they can be downloaded, a, second, a secondary place that they can be downloaded from. I am still, I haven't decided on the sort of the layout for the videos and then how they're going to be displayed. And I am sorely behind on it. I know that. But, you know, there's a certain way that I want it to sort of look and, again... I can't post the whole video because I don't have a thousand subscribers, which means I'm limited to, I think it's 15 or 20 minutes in duration. So if I did post anything, it would be clips from the show, which is fine. I, I, I actually think a lot of people would prefer that. And then they could listen to the, uh, the audio file on their own, uh, own timing sort of thing. So that's sort of what I was thinking about doing with uh, the podcast as it stands. It'll be episode 27 this weekend. And yeah, episode 27, I started a year ago. That's roughly two podcasts a month, which I, if, uh, if you follow along my blog a couple months ago, I wrote that uh, it, like I, I, in the next 10 years, I only assume that I'll get 260 episodes done, basically one per month. That's all. If the operation stays as just me, that's, I mean, it's enough work on my end to get, you know, to research, record, do post-production, post, uh, all those sorts of things. So it's, and I don't want to stress over it uh, as much as, as it would be fun to think that, you know, this could go on to be the next big thing. At the same time, I do like having that sort of freedom to record whenever I want, uh, to have that laid back sort of conversational style. Uh, although I do, like, the reason I talk to a lot of these people is to preserve the moment, to preserve the time. Uh, because we are, I think we are in a very historic time. And that's one of the things that uh, I think, you know, even in five or six years, I think a lot of us will appreciate listening back to this. And I know that I don't abide by the evergreen content rules of uh, the current social marketing uh, ideals of evergreen marketing. Basically, evergreen, evergreen content basically means that 
the content will never grow old. Which I think it's that's not true anyway. Thing like technology develops. The only thing that can't really grow old, although if you ever mention something like a tech, uh, like a technological piece, like if you ever mention like, well, just use your phone to call, you've just dated that content because who knows? And I, who who uses their phone to call anymore? I mean, people use Skype. You Skype someone. You don't call someone overseas. I mean, you text people. You message them. You don't call them anymore, right? So the whole idea of evergreen content, although it sounded great, it sounds great, how many podcasts, how many audio files, or even TV shows, and TV shows are horrible for this because the video quality changes so much over time, but the audio quality in terms of, uh, or in terms of uh, relevance and the search engines, they just push that stuff back. I mean, find me a podcast from six years ago that is still relevant good luck i mean i i don't i don't think you could five years ago three years ago pre-pandemic what podcast would you listen to that that you'd be able to listen ah yes this is still relevant unless it was something like a history podcast uh <laughs> you know uh it wouldn't be a tech podcast what else could be uh i mean Sex Ed, that's the other one I think that comes to mind immediately. That would be, you know, sort of evergreen content. You could sort of always sort of refer back to that. But a lot of other stuff just isn't. This stuff, I think, is a time, uh, is a, a snippet of the times. And I'm happy with that. Uh, and I hope you guys are enjoying it uh, for what it is. Anyway, crushing the Chinese studies. Uh, I've... I did mention before that if I want to get through that this Python course, I might have to give up on something else, such as my Chinese studies. Well, I think it'd actually be better not to give up on Chinese studies and instead focus on Python, Chinese and Python and then push off something like Blender and Unity game development just yet because Python really does serve as a basis or at least uh, as a, a connecting... Uh, a connector between Python uh, languages, language learning the Python language, and then moving into things like Blender and Unity and all the others. Even though I know Unity is uh, uses C sharp instead of Python, that's the idea. So now my although I'm on vacation, I don't think I've ever felt as motivated or anxious to get up and get going. And I say anxious very carefully because I I have gone through this before when I was doing my master's degree. Uh, that clenched feeling in your chest. I don't have that right now. And any graduate student will know this, have that feeling like that, that anxiety, that just that knot in your chest. I've always backed off when I've started to feel that. And so that's why when last week or a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about all the things that I'm studying, I do it with the full realization that I am doing it fully within my means and capabilities. That is to say, I don't feel stressed doing this and if I do I back off in that case with that in mind uh, the two major sort of constants that I try to keep that I really want to keep on going uh, is number one I want to keep on working out three times a week uh, and I, I do them pretty hard so like 90, 90 minutes to two hours 90 minutes workout and then another 30 minutes cool down basically and I want to preserve those times no matter what, regardless if we're traveling or uh, I'm in Beijing. I try to get in three good, solid workouts per week. 
The other thing is, uh, now, is I want to work on the HSK-5 stuff, like my work on my Chinese languages. I, I, I do feel as if I prog progressed a lot more in reading the different types of materials that I have, I'm able to understand a lot more, so I, I, it would be silly to put off studying Chinese with with the idea of learning Python instead. I think, no, that, that doesn't make sense. It also means that I won't be picking up Russian just yet, but in terms of Russian, the goal there, it actually was a distraction from my Chinese studies, uh, but the idea would actually be not to write the A-level uh, test now, but instead pass it on my own, and then aim for six months from uh, six months from like next year, middle of next year, June. That would be the next intake, as far as I know, or is it uh, February, March? I can't remember. Because here in Beijing, the office, the the office that does the Russian tests, uh, Russian language tests, only offers them like twice a year, I think it is. So the next intake would be after Spring Festival, so that would be February, um, and that the next exam wouldn't be until uh, probably March or April of next year. So that would be the goal to be sitting at the B1, B2 level uh, for, for Russian. So that gives me some time. That also gives me some time to get through uh, HSK-5, uh, both the vocabulary, which I've been working on quite a bit, uh, the books, which I haven't looked at in a long time, uh, to uh, go through a lot more classes with my, my teacher. And then that way, should I be able to finish the HSK-5 test successfully in, Jan in February or March, then I can move on to focusing a little bit more on Russian, work on that for a little bit, give myself a breather from Chinese, and then you know sort of do that swapping uh, back and forth. All the while, and, th and this is why I really want to do Python right now, is that if I if I crush my way through this Python course, at least get the understanding there, get the familiarity with the programming language, with the idea, with the the, the places to go and where I need help, like if I need help, set the basis now, set the foundation, and then that way I can continue working in Python with the different programs that I want to take up over the next year. So that's sort of what was uh, going through my mind today. Uh, I was able to get quite a bit done uh, in both, so Chinese and Python. Uh, Chinese, I did my vocabulary, did some reading, did some listening. Uh, and if I if I figure if I can get that done before breakfast, which is like 8.30, 9 o'clock, uh, I, I think that's a solid two hours of work, uh, of, uh, time, of contact with the language. I think that'd be great. Moving on to Python, today I only did a day and a half worth, so like day seven and day eight. Um, it was a bit slower, but it was a little bit more drawn out. And I, I see, like uh, yesterday I mentioned that uh, uh, my, my neighbor said that you could probably get through all that stuff in a day. It's true because this course does take its time to explain things. But I do want to go slowly. Uh, not that I need to understand all the things going on, but I do want to take my time, put the effort in, uh, the contact time with the language, and basically gain more of a familiarity of what to look for, where to look for it, and then how to piece it together. That would be the idea. So, uh, what was it? Today I did day seven was... Uh, I can't remember what day seven was. It was Hangman. That's what I did, yes. Hangman. So that was neat because uh, it required... Uh, 
a, a few different components to the program in that you had to get uh, a word, sorry, you had to get a word from a word list, which was contained in a separate Python file. Uh, so there was hangman word list and hangman characters, uh, and in addition to the main.py uh, file. And so, I mean, this might sound very amateur to a lot of people listening, but for me to, like, I don't, I've never done this before, calling packages from within packages and modules over here. This is, this is all news to me. Can't do this with human languages. Uh, here's, let me go get my dictionary. I'll look up the word. Yeah, okay. So then just use your fingers and scan, scan the QR, QR code, right? Uh, but yeah, so I had to get a word list, uh, get the word list, count the number of letters, uh, display the number of dashes, like underlines, uh, on the screen that represented each letter in the word, and then draw the picture of the hangman should you get things wrong. And drawing it was easy enough, but then clearing the screen so it would be nice and fresh after every iteration. So it's kind of neat to see how that program was pieced together. The next one, day eight, is the Caesar cipher, uh, which is basically a bit, uh, a bit of a, an encryption program, uh, how basic encryption works. Uh, so this one, I've only started it, so I haven't really gone through too much just yet. Overall, I'm, I was looking through the list of courses, list of lessons to go through, and it looks like it's the first 35 days. I know, I know, I think I said first 50 before, but it's the first 35 days where uh, there seems to be a lot of, um, like it's more than an hour long each. And then after day 35, it starts to be more like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. So the classes are a little bit shorter. Uh, so th there's, I guess there's less of the little stuff to learn and you're moving into uh, more of the bigger stuff. Like today, I think I just, I learned keyword arguments, quargs, uh, which is a big thing in Python, which is just how lists are made in most languages. When you create a list, uh, or parameters, you uh, put them in a certain order, and the computer reads them in a certain order. But with Python, you can assign the parameter and argument within that uh, within the within the the parentheses for the function, and then it will no matter where you put that parameter, it'll still be the same thing. I hope I got that right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's been interesting taking a look. Uh, look through all those things and everything. Anyway, uh, that is that. Uh, Wednesday already. So tomorrow, bringing up a Thursday. Uh, yeah, looking forward to getting up. Man, I, if I could only get out of bed before, like literally get out of bed before 6.30, I hear some of my colleagues get out of bed at 5. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how any... I can't. I've tried. Doesn't work. <laughs> 6 o'clock is sort of like the cutoff when the body's like, okay, uh, you've passed the, the evening hours, you can get up now. Anyway, with the uh, passage of middle mid-autumn festival, hope you guys saw the uh, full moon picture I posted yesterday. The passage of moon, uh, moon cake festival, <laughs> mid-autumn festival, basically it's heading into the cooler and winter months in preparation for the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Six months, four months, five months from now. Right on. Anyway, hope you guys are doing well. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Bye-bye. Well, that was fun. Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. And just finished my Chinese class. Uh, interesting. The uh, It was informative, definitely. A lot, 
more review again today. Um, some of these grammatical structures that I encounter um, with the, and it's not, it is the grammar structures, and it's me. It's the way that I'm thinking. I'm approaching Chinese grammar uh, with a, a, an English language mindset, and it's throwing me off more times than not. I'll give you two examples. So, in Chinese, there's a verb structure or a sentence structure where you have your uh, subject, then you say your verb, and then uh, you the, the verb has an object, and then you say the verb again, and then you give the timestamps. Uh, so the example that my teacher just gave me is 我写作业写了一个小时 So 我, the subject, I, 写 is your verb to write, and then 作业 is homework, and then 写了 is to write again, but with the le, and le is a particle indicating completion of the event, and then 一个小时 is for half hour. So it's things like this, and this is the subject, verb one, object, verb subject, and then timestamp. Things like this throw me for a loop, I'm not going to lie. And the other one, there, there was another one where we were using way. So uh, the way is the character for uh, for four. 我每天工作八个小时。So eight hours. But there's no four. And there's no sure. So no yo. So in English, I work for eight hours. I have work. Or I go to work for eight hours. So there's all these little words go for uh, that sort of pop up in an English sentence that are eliminated when you are speaking Chinese. It's very similar. I had the same issue with uh, Russian too when I was like, yeah, yeah, uh, was it, yeah, 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 and it's like I go on to work, which is different than what we'd say in English. So it's not to say that this is overly complicated for anybody or for any other reason other than when approaching this structure, it is difficult for me to think this in real time. When I read it, I understand. But when I go to speak, it's a lot more difficult to uh, actually put this into practice um, on demand, I guess you could say. So this is something uh, I've, been, I've been struggling with. I'm actually looking for, I think I have one of these grammar books already, but uh, I'd have to look for it a little bit closer in that I just want something where it gives me a grammar structure and I just can practice it 10 to 15 times. That's it. I would, If I could find that, I think that'd be a, a pretty good thing to have. Anyway, pretty uh, productive day today. Again, up in the morning, got my Chinese characters done. I'm not going to say, not, I'm not going to lie, not feeling altogether motivated sometimes, but uh, I figure if I can get up, have my coffee very quickly... Uh, and then get out for my walk and then do those characters. Like, it's 30 minutes of, of just constant vocabulary every day. It's a lot. But, that being said, in going through last week's class notes, I'm looking at some of these, uh, the words that she was writing down. I'm going, I recognize these words because I've gone through them already in the, the HSK5 word list. So it is picking up. And again, today, I watched another movie and I, I'm seeing some more you know, vocabulary pop up again. So it is, it is paying off. Uh, reading has gotten a little bit easier. 
Uh, and uh, I am slowly ending, getting towards the end of this comic book that I'm reading, which was actually kind of funny because the uh, the chapter that I'm on today, or the little short story that I'm on, it deals with uh, the ch- different types of Chinese uh, zongzi and jiaozi and youtiao. So these are all different. Like, uh, zongzi are your... Um, uh, you eat them at uh, Dragon Boat Festival, dra- Dragon Boat Holiday. Uh, those are your rice cakes, rice triangles. <laughs> How do you translate? Rice dumplings, basically. Uh, jiaozi are your Chinese dumplings. And then youtiao are these uh, are like donuts, except they're not round, they're long. Uh, fried dough, basically. Uh, and all we served. And this, it, it was interesting because... And the reason why this stuck out was because the Yotiao come into the story. This these animated Yotiao are talking about how the, the the northern people and the southern people eat these things, and one of them says, "Well, yeah, we dip them into dojiang, into the soybean, uh, soybean milk." And the other guy's like, "What? You what? You don't dip Yotiao? How dare you?" And but I dip my Yotiao <laughs> into. The soybean milk. I, it's just easier to eat that way. Uh, same with the spices. Like uh, I'll use the same jiaozi jiang jiaozi sauce for my youtiao, which some people look at me and go, I don't, that's that's bizarre. Why do foreigners do that sort of thing? Anyway, so interesting chapter. Uh, the word I learned today was jan, uh, to dip, jan jiang. So you dip something into sauce. Yeah, at least it picked up something, right? <laughs> Uh, today's movie, this week's movie. Hopefully, it's uh, hopefully I'll get another chance to watch another movie, maybe tomorrow or Saturday. Uh, Saturday will be busy since I I am set up to be recording another podcast episode. Uh, but today's movie was the story of Chouju. Uh, in Chinese, it's Chouju Da Guan Si. So this was a. If you want to see what China was like thirty years ago. This film was released in 1992. This is the China that you probably have stereotypically in your mind if you know anyone who visited China prior to the Olympics. So that this like lots of bikes, there's still lots of people. Uh, that sort of Soviet architecture where all the buildings are about six floors high or something. Uh, so no tall skyscrapers or anything. And, uh, of course, the uh, typical 1980s fashion or early 1990s fashions with the glasses and everything. I'm sure you know which ones I'm talking about. Uh, but interesting story. They were speaking in a dialect, so I wasn't able to pick up all of the things that they were saying. But the subtitles were in standard Mandarin Chinese, so I was able to read along with them. Uh, I did pick up a few words along the way. Uh, deals with a... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a tragic comedy. Because the the story centers around uh, this wife, this lady, who's the wife of a guy who gets his balls kicked by the village chief. And the story comes out that basically the village chief and this this guy, the husband, got into a bit of a spat about, you know, and I guess the husband said, you you know, you can't have children, so your your bloodline's dead, basically. The, The village chief has four daughters, I think. And uh, so this this guy says something about it, and so the village chief kicks him in the balls. Which, you know, if you're going to mouth off about someone's family, I guess you, you sort of uh, are playing uh, a dangerous game. But you, 
the main character, this lady, she's pregnant with their first child. And she's very concerned that they won't be able to have any more children after because this guy's balls are hurting pretty bad. So uh, the uh, she goes through various levels. Like she takes the, the matter to the village chief. The village chief says basically, you know, what's done is done. Uh, he, he said some things to me that I didn't like. So, uh, you know, what's fair is fair. She takes it up a notch. So she goes through all these different levels of government bureaucracy and it's, it's comical that she's very persistent and that these officials are like, wow, this peasant lady. Because she's like, this is like basically pick smallest village possible. She's from there. She makes the journey to the city. She makes the city to the, uh, the journey to the village uh, and all these different government offices to make complaints about how justice is being served. All she wants is an apology uh, and an explanation about why he did it, which... It doesn't really make sense because he does give her uh, an explanation. Like, the explanation does come out sort of throughout the story, but she doesn't accept that as the the true reason. Um, And all the while, she's believing that these government officials are sort of uh, binding together, um, that they they got each other's backs, uh, and that they're not giving full justice to what she believes should be the case. No. He offers her money to compensate for the hospital wages, the hospital fee, and the lost wages. And even the husband's like, just drop it already. I mean, let's move on. You're going to make us that family that no one likes because, you know, you can't let this go. I mean, the husband and the village chief smooth things over, but she never uh, really accepts the uh, the judgment. So, yes, it's, it's interesting. And it's interesting not least because of the story, but because of the snapshots of China throughout uh, the film. I mean, it, she literally, it's a, a picture of what the village life is like. Literally, the, the, the houses, or are they houses? Farmsteads? Blocks that are in the country that have, like, chickens and pigs and cows walking around all over the place. Uh, and their, their main crop, their family had grew uh, red chili peppers. And so they took those to the city, and they would sell them off as they needed to pay for uh, whatever they had to. One of the funniest scenes of it is actually uh, when she goes to one of the smaller townships and uh, to make a complaint. And she has to go outside to get a, a complaint letter. And basically what it is is that this guy sits at a desk writing letters of complaint for whoever wants to go to the police station. And he's like a persuasive writer, basically. And he's like, well, how bad do you want it? Do you want him to like get shot or do you just want him to have a way of backing down? And he explains that, well, the, whenever I write a letter about people getting, you know, a very harshly worded letter, yeah, four of them have been shot, two of them have been given life sentences. If I have a method for, if I leave in a method for them to back down, then, you know, um, 23 out of however many it was uh, received, uh, got what they wanted sort of thing. So it's kind of funny to see that this sort of, business was in operation in one of the townships and i wonder if it still exists it probably does to tell you the truth uh so yeah it was a good movie only an hour and a half 85 minutes the uh lead lady there uh her name's gong lee i looked this up and she's actually been in a quite a few movies that have popped up in the uh, in the west as well like memoirs of a geisha and uh there's an uh miami vice was another one but she had part played some park roles and things like that so yeah she's a uh, She's from Shenyang, which is northern northeast China, 
but uh, she's uh, oh and also Red Sorghum Red Sorghum is a famous book that was written by Mo Yan and it's been made into a movie and she's in that movie as a as one of the lead actresses so yeah it was good 85 minutes 90 minutes uh, didn't take me too long to get through which was nice and it was uh, entertaining enough it wasn't one of these you know artistic you know classic movies that are kind of drag on it was actually kind of interesting to see how life was back 30 years ago and the persistence that this lady has in, uh, you know, seeking what she believes to be true justice. Uh, and then after that, I did get some Python done, not as much. Uh, completed the rest of Day 8's uh, studies, and that was the Hangman game. It got me thinking, actually, about building uh, a version of Hangman that's for Chinese characters, which would be re- which would be really helpful if I was just starting... Chinese studies, but now that I'm six years into it, I wonder if it would be as useful. I'd still use it. It might be interesting to have a Chinese version or a Chinese character version of Hangman in which you have to guess the stroke of the character, and if you get it wrong, then, you know, a little piece of the Hangman structure gets gets drawn. Uh, I haven't looked if there's anything like that, uh, and I was kind of wondering how I'd be able to program such a thing. There's got to be a way. You just use the Hangman structure... And then you add Chinese characters to it. But uh, the complication would be, like, how do you draw it? Would you have to animate it? Or would you... Like, how could it be text-based rather than graphic-based, if you get my meaning? So text-based, you can do it in a text editor, like pick a letter and then the letter shows up, right? But with uh, a Chinese character, how do you represent the character's as it's being drawn out in totality in a text editor uh, that that I don't know how it would be done uh, so that it's a little challenge I've set for myself if I can do it great if not um, yeah I'm not really focusing on too much just yet and then I also started day nine that one's going to deal a lot more with dictionaries and nested dictionaries and things like that so probably I'll get some more of it done tonight and then finish that up tomorrow other than that, uh, yeah, it's a rest day from the workouts. Tomorrow, back at it. Again, I'm going to hit some more of the Chinese and the uh, uh, the Python this weekend. We do have, hopefully, another, uh, well, not hopefully, I'm, I'm setting up the Zoom meeting uh, right now, basically, for uh, the podcast. So that should be recorded and then posted within the week or so. If you haven't had a chance, you can also head over to my website, stephensterski.com. I have put all of the short little blog posts I make of these audio blogs on my website. So it's under the audio blog page on my website. You go there. I have all the September ones listed. That was what I was able to get done. Uh, the prior months I haven't done just yet, but I'll get to those uh, hopefully sometime soon. So if you miss anything, you can go back and they're all listed on one page. And then what I'll do uh, once the month is over, I'll, ar- I'll archive that page and then I will start a new page based uh, or dedicated to the October blogs. All right, hope you guys are well. Having a good week. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.
Well, now it's quiet. Friday, September 24th, 2021. I'm Steve Sirsky. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. And yeah, it is now quiet in my apartment and around the compound. Uh, it is a bit rainy. It's been raining all day. Uh, maybe it's still drizzling a little bit, but that wasn't the big cause of the noise. It was the drilling. And I think I've mentioned this before on my podcast that the it seems that every construction site here, any housework, any sort of uh, construction effort in China needs a drill. Not just, and usually it's one drill, but today there's two or three drills going. And I'm not sure if it's the same project because on the doors outside, there's two posters that's, that say that this apartment and that apartment are under construction or under uh, renovation work. So I, I don't know what they're drilling. Uh, now, what that's what I hear. Do they have other tools up there? Like, does anyone use a saw here or hammer? I've never heard hammering. I've never heard or seen anyone hammer. The only time I've seen someone hammer something is with the rubber mallets that they use to bang in the uh, uh, the bricks into place on the sidewalk. So they uh, have the sand and they're packing it down, right? So that's what. That's the only time I've seen someone use a hammer. Other than that, it's drills. It's all drills. Always electric drills making lots of noise. Um, the only reason I really sort of noticed today was actually because tomorrow I am going to be recording another episode of my podcast. And although it, the sound would only affect my end, it won't affect the other end. I just wonder how distracting it will be. And hopefully, maybe by the late afternoon, uh, the sound will be over. And that's when we're uh, targeting the recording. A productive day. Otherwise, I uh, got through a bit of... Uh, Chinese studies today got through most of chapter 10 in my HSK 5 level. Reading is getting easier, which is uh, good to see. And it's a, it's a good feeling to be able to progress uh, rather quickly through a text. Uh, but my actually, I was thinking about my pronunciation uh, and I came across some old recordings I made. And I think these are from when I was doing the HSK 3 textbook. Uh, so that was... I mean, that's the orange book, I think. Yeah, it's orange book. And that would have been three years ago already, I think, roughly. Three or four years ago. Uh, and But these ones, like, I never meant to publish them. Like, they were more meant for my own reference. And I can say that, yeah, they're cringeworthy. They make me cringe in just how terrible the uh, the pronunciation is time at, at times. I do wonder if like my pronunciation my pronunciation has at all really improved. I've had people I have there are two different types of pronunciations. There's a pronunciation I use with people who know English and there's a pronunciation I use with like like actual Chinese people. If I were to meet someone in the country or something, I'd probably pronounce things a little bit differently like with a bit more of a uh, an accent, but with uh, people who know English, I mean, I, I don't try to lay on the accent so much, so it comes across as being a little bit more uh, foreigner rather than natural, I guess you would say. But if I were to uh, uh, go to some other places, um, like if it's a shop or a store outside of Beijing, where maybe they're not so familiar with foreign accents, I'd probably be a little bit more... Um, I'd put a little bit more effort in making sure I got everything a little bit more correctly. But even out there, I've noticed that when I speak uh, Mandarin Chinese, they do say that I do I speak very proper. So it's like more textbook 
uh, spoken uh, textbook Chinese rather than it, uh, than it being spoken Chinese. And the, the big difference, like if you ever come to Beijing, uh, the, 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 the notable one is the R that the, they put onto the end of the word. So San Latun is San Latour, uh, which is just how Beijing and a lot of the north east part of China pronounces their words. And then if you move further south, there the famous con, uh, confusion is between se and she. So the number four, se, and number ten, she, are often pronounced the same. So se, 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 se. So in standard Beijing uh, dialect, it would be se, she, se, 44. But down there would be a se, se, se. And it just, you have to know what they're referring to in order to get it and be familiar with um, their intonation uh, in order to uh, to get it correctly. But yeah, so I I don't know if I can publish these. Oh, they're terrible. I'm listening to a few. I'm like, oh my, that's just brutal, brutal. And I remember I did practice before recording them. So and I do kind of wonder how much it's improved. Maybe maybe next week. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, hitting the wall with Python. I, maybe it's, maybe I'm taking in too many carbs for breakfast. Uh, I did, I started eating Pop-Tarts. Terrible idea, I know, but they're, I don't know, they were on sale, so I got a box, or at least they're available, I should say, and we don't, we don't get them very often here, so I bought, uh, another couple boxes. Um, or maybe it's a change of weather that's sort of affecting me somehow, because this happens at the beginning of summer, too, when the humidity spikes. Uh, now that the humidity... That's oh, 70% in my apartment, so yeah, it's a little bit humid because it's raining, but uh, maybe that's it, or maybe I'm just trying to blitz through Python too quickly, and my brain is saying, no, cannot do this <laughs> that quickly. Um, but today, I managed to get through the rest of day 9, all of day 10, and then I started day 11. So day 9 was nesting dictionaries, and I created a secret auction program. Uh, and that involved a lot of like adding different keys and values to those dictionaries. Uh, then also on day 10, it was a lot about uh, like creating functions that can produce an output and that can also accept input from like, within another function, I think it was, or another, uh, I, oh, let's see, I've already forgotten what it was. But then at the end, she very briefly mentioned recursion. So... And this is something that's kind of neat that we sort of take for granted in a lot of our programs. So on day 10, it was a calculator that we built. But the idea was, so normally when you run a program, uh, well, normally is different than, like when you first code a program, it goes through it once and then it ends, right? But normally, you don't want your program to just end. You want it to end only when you say, yes, I don't want to continue anymore, right? Uh, so that was... One way to do that is you put your while loop at the at the beginning of all the code, basically, uh, or at least closer to the top, and you provide a statement as long as it remains true uh, throughout and it doesn't get changed by user input, then the program keeps on repeating. As soon as the you sort of if if you give the user an option to end the program, then the while loop is exited and the program ends. That's the idea. So with recursion. This goes back to referring to a function that returns nothing and accepts nothing. So it just basically calls itself, um, which is a very, it sounds very odd that it would do it, but all it is, so the idea with this calculator was that 
in this while loop, and then you get into the if statement, if this is this, the user says yes or no. If they say they don't want to quit, then you go back to the top of the, the program, and that's where you get the recursion element, is that you call the function, it clears the, the what, what, what's been used before, like a blank slate basically, and just starts the program again without actually starting the program again, like recompiling it or anything like that. So uh, that, and it's something I can feel myself starting to grasp at straws here, uh, even trying to explain it. It's probably not the best explanation out there, but uh, it, it is very important. I've seen other articles about recursion before uh, in computer science and in computer programming, and they're saying that a lot of computer science degrees uh, have moved away from teaching it at such an early age, uh, early stage, like early university. Uh, I guess because it was the move away from C++ or the move away from C. I can't remember which one. Maybe it was away from C++. That they, uh, it, and like with the introduction of other programming languages where you don't need to do that, uh, it just seemed that there was more of an effort to make like uh, uh, computer languages and computer program programming a little bit more uh, student friendly, beginner friendly, user friendly, rather than um, I guess professional friendly. I'm not sure how to put that, but yeah, I've seen this word pop pop up before. Apparently, it's a big issue. Um, I I can feel myself getting starting to think. I'm like, why? First of all, why do I need to know this? Second of all, this is going a little bit farther up ahead, up above my head sort of thing, over my head. Uh, but in an effort to stymie the confusion, I have started watching Silicon Valley. <laughs> uh, and the reason I did is because uh, the, uh, the lady who's uh, conducting the course, Angela, Angela Yu, uh, she mentions that this program, this, this TV show, apparently it ran for a couple of years, 2014 to 2019. It's kind of funny. You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm on episode like on season one, and that's six, seven years ago already. It's amazing how dated it's become already. So like you got to kind of think back to what life was like with the internet back then, in the middle of like 2014. If they're shooting this 2013, 2014 sort of thing, like why? When did Shazam come out and be a big thing where you could recognize? A song just by a few bars and stuff like that because I know YouTube implemented their uh, copyright abilities it was only a few years ago where they would start flagging songs that or uh, videos that had even a snippet of someone else's song in it that hadn't been cleared I've had tracks that I made in GarageBand flagged and I had to write to them and, and point out the the blurb on the Apple website that says these are royalty free. These are uh, uh, you can use them. They're non-exclusive, so go ahead use them for whatever you want. And YouTube still flagged it because some schminy kid or whatever uh, decided to make a track using those loops and then published it and then basically claimed ownership of it once like basic as soon as GarageBand was lose, uh, released, basically, <clears throat> which is a clever idea. And if you're not paying attention, this can sort of screw you. But uh, as long as you understand that the GarageBand loops, those are open source, like free, free for you to use. You do not have to pay for them. You pay for them by buying an Apple product. Um, so if you ever wonder why Apple products are so much more expensive, it's because they come with a lot of stuff built in, basically. 
Uh, so yeah, that was uh, today, and uh, I guess tomorrow I gotta. I'm doing some prep work for uh, the podcast tomorrow, and I'll I'll probably get some Chinese done. Maybe one or two hours of Python as well. Uh, but yeah, the recording is going to take place tomorrow afternoon, so that'll be good to have up and good to have out. Uh, you'll probably see me start tweeting about it. Uh, the Steven Sersky is my Twitter handle right now. There is another account, but that one's sort of lying dormant at the moment. Uh, but you can out to Twitter. I'll start to uh, publicize that a little bit later. So, all right, guys, it's Friday. We made it there. I hope you guys are doing well. I mean, I'm basically oh, yeah. It's the end of my first week of vacation, so I got three more weeks of vacation to go oh which brings me to my, my last point i was looking at tickets to chengdu today uh which is where all the pandas are uh and the brief thought like you can fly there 800 kwai so it's 140 130 160 dollars both ways uh or you can take the train <laughs> for 50 dollars takes 28 hours <laughs> from Beijing West down to Chengdu Station. Uh, yeah, I, and but you can depart at like 11 a.m. So that does, that's not so bad. And then you arrive uh, on like 3 p.m. the next day. I think there's another one, though. You can depart at 9 or 7 in the morning. Like still quite early. But then you arrive early like mid-morning the next day so you only have to sleep once like uh you you know you can spend a lot of your day awake and doing other things rather than um trying to avoid people snoring uh, (laughs) during the night so it's uh i don't know we'll see i'm not sure if i'm that committed to this trip just yet but we'll find out we'll see there are still tickets available uh which is good to see uh, but with the flights, there's also uh, flights still available. Uh, and we wouldn't be leaving until probably October 5th and then coming back a couple weeks after that. Anyway, I hope you guys are well. Have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, look out for that new podcast episode coming out within the next week or so. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Bye-bye. <laughs>